all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Follow us into Twitter, Facebook, Twi- Twi- Twik Talk, and Titch. TikTok and Twitch at All Bad Things Pod. <laughs> Those are the ones, yes. <laughs> Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. <clears throat> I need to check in with the Discord. I haven't looked at it in a while. Anyway, do all of those things. Join us everywhere. Yes, join us everywhere. Everywhere. On the World Wide Weber. Now that I finally have a PS5, Mm -hmm. along with Horizon 2, Forbidden West is the official title. It's not even Horizon Zero Dawn 2? Well, it kind of, I mean, people know it that way. Okay. I still call it Horizon Zero Dawn, Forbidden West. Okay. Anyway. The important thing is... <laughs> You're doing a lot of streaming. <laughs> I have I have it now. I has it now. You has it. Yes. You can has Horizon. Yes. I has Horizon Zero done, Forbidden West, and it's fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I got a couple new toys to go with it. So You're living your best life, basically. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so most days people can catch you streaming yes. on our Twitch. <laughs> if that's yes, something indeed. you're interested in, interested in. Yes. Uh, come check us out on Twitch. And we're going to be doing a live stream later tonight. Not that that's going to matter when you're listening yeah. on Monday. <laughs> we're going to stream Love is Blind. Yes, the we new are. season. <laughs> it's fabulous. It is uh, fabulous in the most train wreck way possible. That's the purpose of reality yes, television. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. But even the first season wasn't that much of a train wreck. Like, it seemed like well, some of the... Well, there was that one lady a... with the yeah. younger guy. There's always the one. Yes. But on this on this season it's multiple. Like yeah, there's, every couple is dysfunctional. There's lots of train wrecks, yeah, going on. So I saw on... I think the producers were like, let's pair <laughs> we this season we have to pair like the exact opposite. But they they all date each other. They do. So it's not that they're matching. That is true. I yeah, mean, I, I don't, don't know. know. Maybe maybe they don't all date each other. Maybe they're like, let's find all the people with the worst psychological profiles. <laughs> and put them and in. And put a... them on TV. Yes. Yes. In a, in a setting where if they choose somebody they want to be with, like, they mm-hmm. literally, like, you get married. Or maybe, because I believe it was filmed last summer-ish. Um, maybe because of the pandemic, people were kind of fucked up anyway. You That's know? true. I mean, we're all pretty fucked up at this point after almost two years. But the, uh, yeah, the pandemic on top of the election. Sorry, okay, I think I accidentally stopped yeah. recording us yeah. for a hot second. Okay, we're good, we're back. Okay. <laughs> yes, we're back. <laughs> so if you heard a funny cut, that's why. That is why. <laughs> we were just talking about love. <laughs> there, there was really no yes, reason to, no reason to go continue on. that thought. No reason to go down the road we were going. <laughs> yes. What you drinking tonight? I am having the fantabulous America's Finest National Local Brew. National local brew. Yeah, beer brew. Okay. Miller Light. Light. Yes. Somehow. Indeed, I am having what the. What you be having? <laughs> the shotgun Betty from Lone Rider. 
Oh, we both sipped at the same yeah, time. Yeah, we did. That's radio yeah, dead that air. <laughs> All right. Very excited about the topic, which of course our listeners know. Mm-hmm. And I told you that you would guess this topic with a one word hint. Okay. But it's also how I'm going to say it that will be the hint. Okay. Ready? Sure. Crocky. Oh, is it Steve Irwin? Steve Irwin. Oh, man. I know. This is so sad. It is so sad. This, this is like one up... of the saddest fucking things I can remember at that time. So this, you know what this reminded me a lot of? John Denver. Sure. Like, we learned a lot of cool things about him, and then he died. Like, you But know, I watched and... a lot of... Uh, Crocodile Hunter, yes. same. I watched a ton same. of it. I used to so have a when whole... So when it finally, like, happened, mm-hmm. it was just like... Oh my god, it it fucking happened. I know. I like almost everybody was kind of anticipating it, something horrible would happen to yeah. him at some point. And it was the most we'll get into it. It was oh, the most yes. random fucking thing. It really really was. Um which I, of course that's all that's poetic in a in a certain way. Like he mm-hmm. I literally watched him mm-hmm. like get out of a viper's nest somehow. <laughs> like without completely shitting his pants and getting mm-hmm. bit by like 50 vipers. Like mm-hmm. I'm like and you're just like, oh my god. I think the thing that makes it so sad is he really was a very cool person. Yeah, I mean, just in, like a, a like the only person in the world that could do what he did. Yes, and also you get the impression it's just like you're watching him. Yeah, like there's no. I don't even think he was physically capable of acting. He was no. just being himself, like 100 <laughs> yeah. percent of the time. Because when you're being chased by fucking, you know, um. Komodo dragons, right. and you you accidentally get tail whipped by one of them. Like mm-hmm. that's gonna be a natural. Mm-hmm. Like you can't act that. Mm-hmm. You have to act fast, otherwise yep. you're dead. Mm-hmm. And I think the time that he was on the air um, fell at a time in both of our lives where, well, I was like a teenager to young adult, and you were a young adult mm-hmm. when he was getting popular. And I remember watching the Crocodile I remember, I, movie. I remember the very first show I watched. It was like Top Ted Deadliest Snakes in Australia. Yep. And it was just like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then he's picking them up and doing all. And it's just like, what the. What, stop it. It's like, like, don't what, do it's that. like would don't you do stop that. picking up? Deadly animals. Yeah, like. <laughs> I'm like I was 19 or 20 the first time mm-hmm. I saw him, and like I'm about to have a fucking heart I attack. Know, I was just I like, know. I was like, will you stop doing that? But I, I know. but I can't stop watching. Right? That that was that was absolutely him. Do you know much about his like Not really so his this upbringing? Is be or, great. Okay. Yeah, and and we are gonna get kind of pretty into his death as well. So and the circumstances surrounding that because I didn't know any of the details. Um, so on September 4th, 2006, mm-hmm. noted zoologist, environmental conservationist, and TV personality Steve Irwin died after being stabbed in the chest by a stingray while filming a TV show. Can I guess how old he was? Because I don't know. Yeah, sure. Uh, was he like 40, maybe? He was 44. Oh, okay. And we're going to get into that in just one second. Um, <clears throat> primary sources were... Australia Zoo, Biography.com, The Culture Trip, Grunge, My Modern Met, Now to Love, Studio 10, The Sydney Morning Herald, and Wikipedia. Um, so this episode, here's why I I wanted to do Steve Irwin's death this year as a topic, and I was going to do it in September because he died September 4th, 2006. It would have been 16 years. We just passed the 15th anniversary mm. last year. Um, and then I realized he was born... February 22nd, mm. 1962. Two. Yep. 
meaning he would have turned 60. 60. This episode's coming out on the 21st. You know who else turned 60 this year that I was just like, hmm, Hmm. Trent Reznor. Really? Turned 60 this year. Hmm. Okay. And they're coming here in two months, and that's one of the few bands... You haven't seen? ...that I grew up, like, listening to and still listen Mm -hmm. to, and I'm just like... Like, I'm... Yeah. Depending on where we are in the pandemic, I might come with you. <clears throat> it is outdoors. So. Oh, is it at Walnut Creek? No, the one downtown, Red Hat. Oh, okay, gotcha. So, um, for anybody else who's listening, who, <laughs> yeah, who, who might be interested, Raleigh, yeah. it's like to the end of. I think it's the end Trent of Reznor. April. Is it Nine Inch Nails or Trent Reznor? It's Nine Inch Nails. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is basically Trent Reznor. Mm-hmm. I know that. But. So yeah, so his six. I thought it was more fitting to honor an anniversary of his life versus his death. So yeah, he would have been sixty, which is still really young. Yeah. So these days, especially, <clears throat> and he's been dead for fifteen years already. God. So I know. It doesn't seem like it's been that long, but at the same time, it seems longer than that. I know it's hard to overstate like how pretty much universally beloved he mm-hmm. was. And even people who didn't like him just thought he was kind of like a clown, not that he was a bad person, you know. Um, And this is speaking as an American. He was like an Australian, like, uh, national treasure. Sure. I mean, that's the impression I got anyway. I think he turned out, like, to be a world treasure. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much. He was very much an international figure. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So Stephen Robert Irwin was born February 22nd, 1962 in, I love this name, Upper Fern Tree Gully, <laughs> Victoria, <right> Australia, <laughs> which is a suburb of Melbourne. Okay, I was just going to say Victoria is pretty mm-hmm. populated as well. As oh, far as, well, yeah. the, well, that's the state, right? It's, it's Victoria is the, <clears throat> excuse me, southeast state of Australia. Oh, okay. um, I thought and, it was a city. No, Melbourne is the city. Right. Um, and Melbourne is like on the very southern part of Victoria across from the sea from... Um, Tasmania, the little island off the south coast. My hand Mm -hmm. motions are helping illustrate that. Um, They're helping me. There you go. They're not helping anybody listening. (laughs) Um, Now, some sources say he was from Essendon, which is also a Melbourne suburb. But regardless, he's basically from Melbourne originally. Okay. (coughs) The Melbourne area. Melbourne, yep. Steve shared his birthday with his mother, Lynn, a maternity nurse who was 20 when Steve was born. Okay. Um, so his mom would be turning 80. Yeah, I was going to say she was born in 1942. Yeah, she did die in 2000 in a car crash. So Ooh. unfortunately, yeah. she, she is not still around. Steve's father is Bob Irwin, who is still around. And he started out his career as a plumber. And in construction, he was a very handy person. Um, but then he started to focus his, on his love of wildlife. So Steve came by his love of animals very naturally, sort of in the blood. In 1970, the Irwin family, which at that point was Lynn and Bob, Steve, and then Steve's sisters, Joy and Mandy, moved to Queensland. So that's the northeast part of, uh, Australia, northeast states. So there in, uh, the town of Birwa just north of Brisbane, on the east coast of Australia, Bob bought four acres of land and built the Birwa Reptile and Fauna Park. He literally built the structures himself. Like I said, he was a handy person. So including the family's home, which often doubled as an animal hospital. Like Steve was like, yeah, you know, there'd be like kangaroos in the living room. (laughs) That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um... 
And plus, likely, plus Australia is like just somewhat just kind of dangerous on its own. Well, and you're, what's so and you're interesting just, uh, about Australia? Infrastructure on your own. That's if you look at the like the major cities mm-hmm. in Australia, they're all on the coast. Sure, that's because like most of the interior of Australia is bush, mm-hmm. <laughs> like literally just wilderness. Yeah, with some very and some of the fucking like deadliest scary. shit on earth. Yes, so like, he was in a good not, place not a, to be very into deadly animals. About one of the last places you'd ever want to be alone by yourself would be in like the fucking middle of the jungle or the bush in Australia. Certainly, if you didn't know what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. Like you'd, I you'd feel be like, dead in like ten minutes. I feel like Steve Irwin could handle himself in the bush. Yeah, I would be dead in yeah, ten. Yeah, I'd be dead in like yeah. I would give myself 20 seconds. Like, I'd hear something and run away from it, and then, and then run, run into, into something, something else. else. Yeah. And then like, that's run away over. from a wallaby, yeah. and then and run shit. straight into, yeah, like, a... Fucking a... crocodile. Yes. God damn it. I know, it wasn't, I know. It wasn't supposed to be this way. <laughs> so the the park was intended not to be sort of like a, a looky-loo zoo, a looky-zoo, you know. Um, it was intended to be part of the Irwin family's conservation work, specifically with reptiles. That's why it was the Reptile and Fauna Park. Steve, Mindy, and Joy were raised in this environment, uh, working with animals from a very young age. And so this kind of helps understand Steve Irwin a little sure. bit. Um it's, a, it's a, like in his DNA. Like from a little mm-hmm. child. So a cockatoo bit him on his nose when he was four. Nice. Like, so he's gotten used, like he, he's been bitten countless times sure. in his life. And it started when he was like four. Damn. Um, and when he was six, for his sixth birthday, his dad gave him a pet, Snake. An eight and a half foot or 2.6 meter long python he named Fred. I was just going to ask what type of snake yes, python makes python. sense. Yeah. He gave a six-year-old a python. Yeah, he's not going to give him a, a <clears throat> fucking rattlesnake. No. So basically, like, Steve Irwin had no chance to not be Steve Irwin. Right. Like, he was raised to be Steve Irwin. Mm-hmm. Like, from day one. Uh, once Steve was almost killed, I think he was like nine, eight or nine. He was almost killed by a pseudonaja. I hope I'm saying that right, which is a poisonous snake, also called the brown snake, known to be one of the world's most dangerous snakes. Jesus so. Christ. And here's a picture. Got lots of pictures. Here's a picture of little Steve. So this is when he was a kid. Still looks like it's, He just it's still him. looks like Steve Irwin, I yeah. know. His little freckles mm-hmm. and his, his, uh, funny teeth. Don't really have any place to put it. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, same face almost. Same expression. Do you Mm -hmm. notice just like that? Because that's that was one of the appealing things about Steve Irwin. There was a childlikeness about him Mm -hmm. and his enthusiasm and a curiosity. Yeah, he was like a human cat. And he was yes, (laughs) kind of, except without the jerkness that cats have. Like, let me try to remove. Like a snake, and then realize like I'm sitting on top of like a pit of vipers. <laughs> like everything was seemed exciting like that, to him. That's yeah, that's really exciting. <laughs> As in a one false step, and I'm dead. Yeah. In like one of the most horrible ways possible. But it just there was a lot of like joy in oh absolutely he, how he that was the yeah, yeah like you said that was part of the attraction his appeal yeah. Mm-hmm. Steve's reputation with crocodiles mm. was formed quite early. Never going near one. <laughs> By 1982, I don't so even want to see one in a zoo. <laughs> like I'm like no, like he could bust out of there. <laughs> <laughs> 
1982, so when Steve was 20, the zoo doubled in size and was renamed the Queensland Reptile and Fauna Park. So they were starting to have visions of it being bigger than just like Birwa. Okay, now it's Queensland, the whole state. Then eventually it would be renamed Australia Zoo. So the whole country, right? Nice. Um, in 1987, they added the Crocodile Environmental Park. So saltwater crocodiles are found in Southeast Asia and Northern Australia. Um, young Steve had been catching and wrestling crocodiles since he was nine. <laughs> That's just no. I know. It's can you... I, I, all I can think of is the, the Simon Cowell meme. Like, it, it's a no for me. <laughs> well, think about um, our niece who is nine. Mm-hmm. Now imagine her wrestling no. a crocodile. <laughs> nope. Not at all. She, she can't even stand to have the stove on. Yeah. We don't like have any little young crocodile hunters. If she saw a crocodile on TV, she would like <laughs> freak out. Yeah, tell you to change the channel <laughs> or run away or mm-hmm. both. Yeah. Cry. Yeah, <laughs> Surely that, cry. That too. All three. <laughs> Steve's father, Bob, taught him nonviolent techniques for catching the crocs during a time when tranquilizers and other possibly harmful methods were common. So it was not about like um, tranquilizing or. Um, Deca- uh, not decapitating. What is the word? I'm uh, making it uh, disabling the crocodiles to make them not be able to move. You know, okay. uh, it was to like physically restrain them. <laughs> I'm not I doing know. that. Yeah. I'm going. I'm going with the tranquilizer. Mm-hmm. I'm not again. I'm not going anywhere near there. Mm-hmm. Nowhere near. But if I happen upon. <clears throat> Like a crocodile, mm-hmm. I'm gonna want a tranquilizer. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna want whatever it takes. <laughs> whatever, to... fucking whatever, yeah. bazooka, <laughs> whatever you got, I'll take something. So after graduating high school, Steve went to work doing like the most logical thing. He started to work with the state government to capture nuisance and problematic crocodiles. So he was a literal That's crocodile hunter. That's yeah, not kill hunter, right. like relocate yes. and catch yeah. and release. Mm-hmm. Basically. By 1991, Steve's parents decided to turn over operations of the zoo to Steve. So he took over wow. uh, just shy of age 30. I was just going to say when mm-hmm. he was, yeah, 29. On October 6th, 1991, a 27-year-old American woman named Terry Rains from Eugene, Oregon, was traveling to Queensland to visit the Great Barrier Reef. So the Great Barrier Reef is off the coast of Queensland, so the northeast okay. part of Australia. Terry was also an animal lover and a veterinary nurse. She had rescued and kept a cougar as a pet. Yeah, which resulted in the creation of her own organization (laughs) intended to help protect cougars and other apex predators called Cougar Country. So basically, little kindred spirit, kindred American spirit here for Steve. As Terry and her friends were driving through Queensland, they drove past the Queensland Reptile and Fauna Park. Her friend wanted to stop, but Terry was initially less than enthusiastic, saying, quote, it looks kind of crummy. <laughs> but she changed her mind. She's like, okay, we can go in. She, When they went in, she was immediately impressed that this, even though the park was small, it was very well kept. It was not crummy. Um, and the animals were allowed to roam. They weren't like kept in sure. cages, especially since the early 90s. It could probably have been pretty bad. Generally, um, she watched Steve put on a crocodile show because they had, you know, like a little amphitheater they do shows in. And she was impressed by his personality and his way with the crocodiles. I'll bet. She decided. (laughs) Like, look at at him. He lived. (laughs) 
Like, that's pretty badass. Uh, Well, I think what it is, it's a little bit of... This lady also not... Lived with a cougar. She lived with a cougar, exactly. She's not a cougar. So she's like, she's like, ah, like... Like, hey, I get not, that. That's not so bad. Yeah. You know, you just have to fend off a crocodile. So she You don't was, keep him as a pet. She was kind of into him. So she like struck up a conversation with him after. And she was about to ask him like, so do you have a girlfriend? When he said, oh, do you want to meet my girlfriend? And she was like, uh-oh. She's like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> and then he called over his dog, Suey. Oh, <laughs> I was so he was say, just joking. I, I thought you were about to say he called over a crocodile. Holy fuck. Like he gets to have the same reaction when he goes to her house for the first time. <laughs> the cougar. With, with the cougar. Yeah. Like, uh, do you think like, imagine, dog imagine, and cat will get along? <laughs> imagine getting up at like three in the morning to go to the bathroom. <laughs> And there's the cougar. And, there's, and it's just in there. It's like in, it's in the house. Like you can hear it. What if, if, if it was like Jesse who likes to follow me into the bathroom and hop on the counter? Yeah, that would be, yeah, that'd be death. So yeah, trapped was... in a bathroom with a cougar. That's, that's not good. <laughs> no. So Steve was just being goofy and introduced Terry to his dog, Suey. Um, basically, he was just as into her as she was into him. And they like started up a relationship right then and there um four months later steve turned to terry and said quote what do you reckon do you want to get married <laughs> what do you reckon that, it, you want to get married <laughs> uh, i'm not going to try that <laughs> well who knows i might but uh so, that's i mean it sounds like yeah uh, they were it was like it was like destined to be this is a very sweet love story which and is I, part I, of what makes this really sad i kind of forget that yeah she's american yeah, I know, right? I mean, of course. Like, yeah. she doesn't have... I mean, she has a very... She has an American accent. And mm-hmm. Almost like a non-accent. Well, she's uh, she's from Oregon. They yeah. don't really have, like, yeah, a specific like accent. A, no. Yeah. That I'm aware of, no. so... Yeah. They probably got something, I'm sure, but... But, yeah, it's like... Yeah, she is an American. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. With her classic blunt bangs that she yes. still has. I love her commitment to her look. It's fabulous. So... Um, That's iconic at this point. It is iconic. So she she did want to marry him. They were married by the summer of 1992. So they married within like eight months. I was just going to say, mm-hmm. pretty fast. Um, and they held their wedding back in Terry's hometown of Eugene. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. And according to Steve, it was love at first sight. And this, these are very 90s-tastic So does that wedding. make does that make their kids anchor babies? <laughs> no, because of Terry's citizenship, they are both dual citizens. I know. I'm, I'm kidding. It's a... So that's their wedding. Yep. It's a cute little picture. That's very... Uh, see, this is 1992, correct? It is, yeah. Still a bit of an eighties hanging. Like there it's is. still. It's, well, he had a good mullet. Yeah, it's it's in there. Like it's in there. <laughs> it is in there. And then that cute picture of them kissing with a with an iguana on their, on their head. <laughs> Basically, what I think it is and is a, like and a, like a komodo dragon and pit vipers next to them. Like, <laughs> what I think it is is two very unconventional people found each other. Yeah. And considering she was from Oregon and, and he's was from Queensland, that's pretty amazing. And she was in Queensland. Yeah. Like she mm-hmm. just randomly mm-hmm. her friend randomly decided if what if her friend hadn't decided to stop at the zoo, hey, you know? Yeah. It's or, yeah. It's really sweet. It's a really sweet um story. So, yeah. So Steve and Terry, to probably nobody's surprise, didn't have a regular honeymoon. <laughs> um first off, they weren't alone. They didn't go 
alone on their, quote, honeymoon, a trip after their wedding. Uh, Their trip included Steve's close friend, John Staten, who traveled with them as they relocated a problem crocodile for their honeymoon. Okay. (laughs) They were, like, traveling in the Australian Um, bush with a crocodile for their honeymoon. It's like... I would have gone with the Florida Keys, but mm. that's that's just me. It's like Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. (laughs) Like, honeymoon. Um, so from what I can tell, it was a little confusing to follow this trail, but I guess the footage from their honeymoon and, and that they turned into like a TV special of them, uh, relocating this crocodile and it aired in, on Australian TV and was really popular. Um, and then a few years later that eventually kind of got developed into sure. a full blown series, um, so in 1996, given the popularity of the original documentary, a pilot of what was called The Crocodile Hunter aired in October 1996 in Australia and debuted the following year in North America. I was going to say, so it came to North America pretty quickly Oh, yes, quickly it then. did, it did. Because I was going to say, I, I, the first time I saw it, I believe, was uh, like 1998. Yep, so was, that would have been yeah. really early on in the mm-hmm. series, yeah. Um, and it aired on Animal Planet, and it's, it's really hard to overstate how popular oh he instant, he, he even, was like an icon even in the united states yes like i lived in south carolina at the time mm-hmm. every like everybody's talking he about was a him. phenom like everybody's <laughs> just like have you fucking seen this guy he was <laughs> it was like the 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 consensus seemed to be he's crazy yeah and really funny. Yeah. And cool and I, to watch. And, well, I don't want him to die, obviously. <clears throat> right. Like, it's fun to watch him not die. Yes. <laughs> there was a little bit of a like, sense that he was almost invincible. Yeah. Like, Very much so. Yeah. Because he he got into so many sticky first situations all, and got out of them. Right. First of all, if, if that does happen, they're not going to air that Mm-mm. on TV. No, and we'll talk about that with his death. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the, number one, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is a TV show. Mm-hmm. It's not that he's not putting himself in precarious situations because Uh he is. So is his cameraman, by the way. Yes. That's a fantastic (laughs) documentary to watch. What is? uh, About his cameraman. Oh, really? Yes. I can't remember the name of it. Was it Justin Lyons? Maybe. Because he's going to come up I was going to say, this came out maybe 2015? Okay. I think I'm thinking of the right person. I'll tell you, with this research, there would have been way too much footage to watch. Like... Right. All the documentaries, all of his work, like, uh, so I, I generally didn't. I watched one interview with the cameraman who was with him, but. Okay. I'm thinking of the guy that did the uh, mountain climbing. Oh, Free Solo. Yes. Oh, okay. That's, the, <laughs> that's, cam- that's the cameraman I'm thinking of. But still, with uh, people who, like. There's a people, cameraman. There's people filming that. I know people tend to forget about, <laughs> like, somebody else about there the too. on-air talent, right? Yes. You're not thinking about the people who are also doing crazy things to yes, capture to get that the, image. to get those uh-huh. shots. And that's the same with Steve Irwin. If he was, like, in the water with some dangerous shark, so was he a camera had, person. Yes, and he had to look out for both of them. Yeah, uh-huh. He was protecting both of them, yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's the only one who can really react and knows how, right? Because yes. his camera person's just a camera person. So, well, his cameraman, I'm guessing, I'm sure they, they probably has some have. skills, Yeah, mm-hmm. but he's he's definitely leaning on Steve mm-hmm. Irwin to put him in the right spot. Mm-hmm. But the Crocodile Hunter was hugely popular. Yeah. Um, Steve was, he was charismatic, like inherently likable, 
childlike in his enthusiasm over animals. You could tell he really loved animals. And he came, but he still came off as very knowledgeable. But he and, would and the, speak in a the, way that everybody could understand. I think the biggest thing for everyone is he came across as sincere. Very sincere. Like, childlike, it's, all this, but in in all of those emotions that you were seeing him go through, it's completely sincere. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it, it, it was hard. It's hard to, like, find someone who seems that authentic. And yeah. he really did seem authentic. It's like if there are people who, like, dislike Steve Irwin for certain things, but... Mm-hmm. If there are people out there like, oh, I hate Steve Irwin. It's like, how can you hate Steve Irwin? Yeah, he it's was, like, it's like, it's there's like nothing. It's like a puppy. <laughs> yeah, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. Or, a or, or, like a, or like a child with cancer. Yes. Right? <laughs> oh, yes. But, he was I mean, just that naturally likable. He yeah. really, really was. It, it was, I think it's fine. Like some people found him annoying or sure. whatever, but yeah. it's like, but that's but there, not. That's a, that's a difference between that and, you know, Puppies hating him. Puppies can be annoying too. Yes, of course they can. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, he did extensive press the world over, including memorable segments on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. I remember, I used to watch that all the time. I never watched Leno. So, here's how now I look at Jay Leno's sense of humor. When I was 11, (laughs) I thought he was hilarious. (laughs) Um, Funny how that works. Yeah. So, he he appealed to an 11-year-old I used to watch The Tonight Show with Jay Leno on, like, this little tiny TV I had in my room with shitty reception. Um, literally when I was 11 and should not have been staying up till almost midnight watching fucking Jay Leno. But, um, I remember Steve Irwin being on Jay Leno and he'd bring his animals out and Jay Leno would just, like any normal person, kind of freak yeah, out about it. like stand, like, like walk away, okay, like a little bit, back up. Okay, I don't know. I, you know, he'd bring out like something like a sloth. Oh, and everybody's fine yeah. with that. And then he'd bring out like he'd a cougar out, yeah. and Jay Leno would be like, wait a second. Bring, it was really funny. He'd bring out a feral squirrel. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's always like an oppose, and he's just like, no, don't, don't run away. So and it's all good. Of course, as Americans, we loved his accent too. He had mm-hmm. a very strong Americans Australian just love accent. Love accents. Period. We do. We do. We're a sucker for. And of course, his catchphrase was "crikey," right? Or or woohoo! Yeah, he would do that. Like, and he was always wearing his little khaki uniform. Oh yeah, the same. His yeah. little shorts and well, shirt. It, again, it, he's iconic. Mm-hmm. You know, if I you rem- just if you just showed somebody that uniform, you'd be oh, like, yeah, that's Steve, Steve Irwin. Irwin. And um, I remember he used to pronounce khaki "cockey." I don't remember that. And I, I, I always <laughs> loved how that like sounded like car keys. I was probably just always. I lost my car keys. I was probably just always coming down from like mild strokes and heart attacks, <laughs> like of like the shit he was going he, through. He had like the natural heart rate of a hummingbird. His yeah, right. He his energy. He's one of those, he was. He's one of those people over. that they just have like an extra battery. Yes. Like they were somewhere mm-hmm. stored somewhere. Yes. His, it's just like it's not. Like, not ever. His like, energy was. There's literally 10 people on Earth that could have that amount of energy. Yes. Like, that's it. He's mm-hmm. one of the 10. Mm-hmm. Um, he was lauded by audience audiences and critics alike and respected by other nature conservationists. So do you know who Sir David Attenborough is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Very famous. Yes. Very respected. Wildlife photographer. Um, well, no, he's a documentarian, too. Right. But that's. Yeah. Um, and presenter mm-hmm. in the UK. Uh, a very, like, known for being a very serious, like, mm-hmm. knowledgeable one. He called Steve, quote, a born communicator, end sure. quote. Who riled enthusiasm for nature to those watching The Crocodile Hunter. 
as well as dozens of other nature documentaries he starred in, as well as the scripted Crocodile Hunter feature film, Crocodile Hunter Collision Course. I remember watching that. I don't remember that at all. So here's like a fe- like a feature film? Yes, uh-huh. Real- it, it was just a fun family little movie okay. from the 90s. So yeah, here's some pictures. I know. fucking thing. Crocodiles. Like, him with no. a baby crocodile and a giant one. Yeah, the baby crocodile. I could handle that. Right. That's not, that's not so bad. That thing could kill you like... It's like twice without, his size. Without really trying that hard. Yep. And... Yep. But also, no, like... just no. He also... It's hard to, like, understand, because almost nobody else does this, what it's actually like to grow up around these animals. Yeah, it's, it's insane. And it, this is a sweet picture of him and a little elephant, yeah. like a baby elephant. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It wasn't just crocodiles. No, no, he was, no. He Every, all everything. sorts of things about a lot of animals. Feral cats. Like, yeah. There was a whole episode <laughs> trying to get feral cats out of trees. And his little, he'd always like have this uh, stance where he, like his arms were out and his legs were out and he was like ready to react in the, any uh, direction. The, the one episode, I've got to find it. Like I, I've tried to find it on YouTube before mm-hmm. and I couldn't, but there was a, like a, he did a whole episode on feral cats. Uh-huh. Trying to get them out of like out of the environment because they're literally they're an invasive species. Right. Yes. Uh huh. You know they're they're killing other rodents and stuff like that that and are that are natural... that are meant for other animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he literally climbed to I'm not even joking like the top of a tree uh-huh. to get a feral cat out of the tree. Uh huh. And it was I still remember it to this day. <laughs> the camera just it was a perfect shot. The cat jumped out of the tree. Oh my god. And the camera just got it, like, coming oh, wow. right down and then landed, took off. And so he got it out of the tree. But he wanted to catch it. Oh. <laughs> and it was, like, the most pissed off I'd ever seen him. Really? Like, he was, like, genuinely, he was, like, he was, like, these feral cats. He was, like, the people let them out. He was, like, he's, like, I'm not going to, he's, like, I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> That's my terrible Australian accent. I'm I'm sorry. To all us, you apologize to the whole of Australia. I'm going to apologize to the world on that one. What I, what I, what I just did, but see, he was he was very knowledgeable and also like all about like nature being nature and, and being, being balanced. Being balanced, he, he, and was, being he was preserved. Like a, he was a fucking Jedi. That's what he was. He was kind of Jedi. That you're right. It's all about like the balance, the balance. of the Force. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to have two Sith Lords, mm-hmm. always, mm-hmm. but you have to have an army of Jedi. Like, he you was have to one have of the that. Jedis. Mm-hmm. This is going to get so sad ah. in just a little bit, but let's talk a little yes. bit more. So, um, according to Steve, and this comes off to me as being very truthful, too, his interest in being the crocodile hunter wasn't about him wanting to be famous or being rich, but rather for the purpose of raising awareness of wildlife. Sure, education. And he did. Yeah, yes, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Yep. Like, he, he, I mean, from five-year-old kids to 55-year-old, like, grandfathers. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. People, people of all ages were super, mm-hmm. yeah, super appreciative of Steve Irwin. They're like, you know what? We should save crocodiles. Like, yeah. Why? No. <laughs> really, why? As he told Because Larry- Steve Irwin said so. Yeah. As he told Larry King in an interview, quote, I believe that the time has come where if we don't get animals into people's hearts, they're going to go extinct. We're mm. running out of time right now, end mm. quote. So that that also um, 
Like, just, just to try. And I think he understood that he had a charisma that people were attracted to. And he was all for using that to bring awareness, to make people care. You know, like, hey, if you care about least, me, care about these or animals. Or at least make people reconsider think, or, or just have a little, all right, let me step step back for a second, think about this. Right, yeah, just, just to even know about these things, yeah. Environmentalist David Suzuki said of Steve, quote, Most academic environmentalists speak as if they have a pole up there behind, but Steve Irwin vulgarized environmental issues in the best way possible and so popularized them to the extreme. The environmental world benefited enormously from Steve Irwin because he not only identified threatened species, but hugged and kissed them, making the viewers want to save them as well. He, he's literally feeding a crocodile that's yes. about 20 feet fucking yes. long. He, it's, it's true. He did show, like, basically affection towards very yeah. dangerous animals. Yeah. And that he, he's like right. If he just, like, backed up, back backed up mm -hmm. and like slipped mm -hmm. it, it could be Game all over. over it could be you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. <laughs> he's gonna toss that meat in the air and hope that the, <laughs> right? the croc is gonna go for that instead but uh, i mean no in the middle of turning into an international sensation steve was equally excited about his home zoo and his family the queensland reptile and fauna park was renamed the australia zoo in 1996 nice. very nice yep so he's 34 at this point Yep. As for wow. his family, according to Terry, one day he just randomly turned to her and said, quote, we have to have children. Who are we going to leave this all to? End quote. I remember when I was 34 and I had a zoo <laughs> named after me. <laughs> oh, no, you, mean you, you renamed your own zoo. That's right. And thought, yeah, we need to have yes. kids because who's going to take over one I mean, day? It happened in a video game, but it, <laughs> technically it happened. Terry responded, quote, you do know that just because you have children doesn't mean they'll like or do what you do, end quote. And Steve said, quote, nope, we have to have children and they will love wildlife, end quote. So sure enough, in July Check of 1998, me. Terry and Steve welcomed their first child, a daughter they named. Do you remember um, her name? I follow her on Instagram. She's fabulous. I can't remember. Bindi Sue. Bindi. Okay, mm -hmm. yes. So Bindi was the name of Steve's favorite female zoo crocodile. <laughs> and Sue was after Suey. Okay. His girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> his girlfriend, his dog, Sue. dog. Steve adored Bindi, and to no one's surprise, Bindi was raised around animals just as both her parents had been. And here's a fabulous picture of Bindi as an infant with Terry and Steve and a giant python. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> So literally from like conception, this baby was, like this, this girl was and she's like, with animals. she's like, that thing could kill you right now. <laughs> but we're going to, we're going to drain that fear out of you. Like from day one. <laughs> yes, exactly. Five years later, the Irwins added to their family when Terry gave birth to son Robert, Clarence, or Bob in December, 2002. I don't, th I don't think I knew that they had a oh, two kids. Oh, again. Oh, I with thought, her dad I thought she was prop. an only child. Nope. Nope. Well, Bob is still really young. He was born in 02, so he's like 19 Oh, now. okay. Maybe that's why I didn't know that. Wait, I may have said that wrong. I feel like it was 03, five years later. Yeah, I think it was 03. Okay. I think I got the year wrong. So I think he's just turned 18. But okay. yeah, that's the ones. So there's like a pretty, what, side, like eight, nine year difference between the two kids? Five. 
90 oh, oh, and 03. Oh, okay. I heard that wrong. Yes. I think. I, I should Whatever. look that up. I, 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 it was 02 or 03. I forget. Anyway. It, either way, they have two children. Yes, they had two children. Of course, Bob was also raised around animals, sometimes controversially so. So there was an there was a thing. I think I know what you're talking about. Do you remember about. this? Yep. Okay. I don't, but Bob was a month old, and Steve... Uh, I, I guess I, I don't know why I was thinking at the time maybe that that was Bindi, the daughter. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. But well, I do remember Bob. this so incident. Bob yes. held Steve in... Or, sorry. Steve held Bob in one arm. He was a month old. Mm-hmm. And a chicken carcass in the other hand, and fed a carcass to a crocodile yep. in a show. Yeah. Now, first of all, so anyway, the, and the crocodile was uh, 12 and a half feet long, <laughs> or yeah. 3.8 meters, and right. it, was, it was at the zoo. Now, this was like two months or something after, do you remember when Michael Jackson famously dangled his child out I a window? I do remember that, yes. Um, or off a balcony? I do. So this was like a couple months after that. Oh, really? They were that close together? That close. Really? So... I think what it, well, okay, so, like, not to, not to, not to, like, encourage child endangerment, because I understand why people thought that that was child endangerment, right? But I feel like if anybody could have handled that situation, Steve Irwin, I feel like it was a little bit of a special circumstance, um, and that he was not in any way deliberately endangering his child. Yeah, in my mind, I was like... The guy knows what he's doing. Like, he wouldn't have done this if mm-hmm. he didn't think it would be fine. And if the crocodile went after that baby, he would have covered the baby yes. with his whole body and, yes. and saved him. Yep. So I don't think the child and, was actually And security in and trainers would oh, have rushed yes. in. and Oh, yes. Yeah. So now Michael Jackson was a fucking idiot for doing what he did. He was. Like, that was... Who does that? That was bullshit, yeah. what he did. But. Pretty- pretty fucking awful like his personal life was also a shit show his entire life yes. versus steve Irwin's, which was abilities were tested thousands of mm-hmm. times and shown that he was very competent at what he did so i feel like it was not similar circumstances not at all at any rate what he did actually did change a lot of child endangerment laws in australia <laughs> like I'll, they tightened them up a bit <laughs> that's you know probably for the so, better terry was Completely on Steve's side, he was like, or she was like, our kids are being raised around this deliberately. Mm-hmm. She said she wanted their kids to be, quote, croc savvy. Okay. Quote. So literally from like day one, they're around these animals. Because, um, I mean, that was just, that was the family tradition, basically, you know. I, at, at any rate, sure. I kind of feel like he didn't do Again, it. Again, it's a... Like, it's just going to be in that DNA probably for a long yeah. time. Yep. Oh, yes. And we're going to get into that. That's the nice part near the end. But according to Terry, Steve always had a sense he wouldn't make it to his old age. At one point, he told her he was going to reduce his on-camera activities in order to spend more time with the kids since he felt was his time was limited. So the Crocodile Hunter as a series ended in 2004, though Steve continued to film for various documentaries In 2006, he and Terry devised a 10-year plan for the Australia Zoo, looking forward to many future years of the zoo's success. They began developing a new series for Bindi Sue to star in, passing along the family show business to the next generation. As for his own project, Steve began shooting for a new documentary with Philippe Cousteau Jr., the grandson of noted oceanographer and undersea documentarian, Jacques Cousteau. I was just going to say, yeah. Mm -hmm. They merged their interests and talents to devise the documentary Ocean's Deadliest, which was filmed mostly around Steve's research vessel, Croc One. Uh, Like, again, like... 
They filmed and interacted with, like, indeed, some of the ocean's deadliest creatures, including again. sharks, sea snakes, crocodiles, poisonous octopus, and the notorious box jellyfish, literally the world's deadliest venomous animal. I, I don't know what that is. I, I'm, oh. gonna, I'm, try, no, I'm trying to erase it from my mind so I don't have nightmares. Jellyfish are wild looking they are, creatures, they are you know. Fantastic um, looking. I, like, oh, and box on jellyfish a, On a video screen, I don't want to see know, one right? ever. Unfortunately for Steve, the real danger to him was definitely under his radar. On September 4th, 2006, Ocean's Deadliest was just over a week into shooting. They had already captured footage of crocodiles and sea snakes and were now on the hunt for tiger sharks. <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> why would you deliberately do that? Well, it is yeah. called Ocean's Deadliest. I was going to, and tiger sharks are deadly. They're more deadly than great whites. I think that's probably why they chose them. Yeah. Yeah. Tiger sharks are responsible for way more human deaths than any other shark. Bull sharks? I think so too. Something like that. Great whites are like third or fourth on the list. Yeah, they're not the most dangerous. They're the fucking scariest. (laughs) They're huge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, you don't want any of them. No, just no sharks in general. No sharks. Mm -hmm. No, I don't want no sharks. <laughs> a shark. Shark. <laughs> a shark is an animal. Don't get no love from yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not shark. going into the ocean anyway. So, try, so don't even try to holler at me. <laughs> I'm going to be on the beach permanently. And I'll only go in the kiddie pool. <laughs> So unfortunately, the weather had turned pretty crappy, making it a bad day for filming. But Steve was antsy, <laughs> as, as one can imagine. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised again, if he had like ADD or you know was just very yeah. high energy person. One of those people just with an extra battery. Right. He just didn't. He couldn't just stand around all day. So he said to his his very close friend and colleague, they'd known each other for fifteen years, uh, cameraman Justin Lyons. Quote: Let's go do something. He was just like, we need to, we need to get something, whatever we're going to do today. Steve had called Lyons, quote, me rot handmaid, unquote. It was very sweet. And the two were used to years of working, working and filming sure. together. Yep. So this is uh, Justin and Steve. Yeah. They, they had a bond. Yes. And a lot of this account. I got from an interview with Justin because mm. he was the person who witnessed all of this. Yeah. So, um, so, so Justin and Steve took off with a crew, uh, and it was a small crew. I, I couldn't tell exactly how many people because there is footage of them getting onto this dinghy, this inflatable dinghy. But anyway, mm. th- they went into the Great Barrier Reef in like an inflatable boat, like a dinghy off of Croquan, their main re- their main boat, uh, near Bat Reef, which is off the coast of Northeast Queensland. Like there's this little spike that comes off the Northeast end of, um, of Australia and, and it's off the East side of that. So here is a picture because there, this is the last known footage that is out there of Steve okay. getting onto the boat. With the dinghy. Again, like, I'm not going to be out in the ocean, like, unless it's, like, a 50-story cruise liner, and that's that's not necessarily the best idea either. Mm. <laughs> certainly in the era of COVID. <laughs> but certainly not on one of these. I know, right? Not in an inflatable dinghy, like, mm-hmm. out, and just, just oh, we're just out in the ocean. Yeah. 
Well, they didn't have to travel so very far. Sure, but still, it's still dangerous as fuck. Right. So just a few. Well, they they didn't even have really have a plan per se of what they were looking just for. Like, let's this just was go like see. A freebie. Yeah. So they they were only out for a few. Let's minutes. Let's get some action shots. Well, well, just let's just see what we see. Yeah. So they spotted in the water just a few minutes out in the boat. A sh- beautiful, like an absolute specimen of a short tail stingray. It was about six and a half feet long, mm-hmm. or, or about two meters long. That's a no- not unusual size for this. This is the largest species of stingray. Um, and I've got some pictures so you can see what the top mm-hmm. and, bottom and bottom of it was. Um, their their little faces are so funny. I know. It almost <laughs> they it, are it, hilarious. It, it almost looks like it's drawn on there. I like know, like, like somebody like somebody dot eyes. like some bored security guard just did do a painting like in France or something. Did you did you hear about that? Mm-mm. Yeah, it just happened like two weeks ago. Anyway. Oh oh, painting yeah. faces on like a yes, on two of yes. <laughs> yes so he was just like ah, let me. <laughs> But that's, uh, but that's what their faces look like. I know. It's really funny. Like, in theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to, again. I'm not going to want to be near one. Not really. In fact, I did have an encounter with a stingray in you San did. Diego on our honeymoon. Um, it was not, I mean, it was within close enough distance that I saw it fully. Yeah. It was not huge. No. <clears throat> Small little stingray. I got a glimpse of it. That's all the, I got. The um the water's so clear in it's San Diego. Just, it is. Could just see it, and my immediate reaction was, oh, 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 <laughs> stomping and your feet and running away, running which, for the shore which, through uh, the water, which turned out to be the correct Apparently, one. Apparently, that's what you're supposed to do. Stop because, and because I took surfing uh, surfing lesson uh-huh. a couple days later. Mm-hmm. They're like they're like occasionally you do see a stingray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're like they're like if you see one, just stomp your feet. And I was like, oh. I was, I was like, I couldn't wait to tell her, Rachel, you did the right thing. I did. <laughs> Just by my natural reaction, I'm like, run away, run away. Because the, the instructors were like, when when you do that, like all the... Silt comes yeah, up. Yep. And it confuses them. And yeah. they just, yeah. So, um... Justin would estimate that the wingspan of this ray was about eight feet. That's crazy. It looks two point four meters. Pretty huge. It it was. This is the largest species of stingray. Like I said, kind of scary. Yeah. Well, look at that person next to it. That's big. Mm -hmm. That is the stingray that I saw was very small compared to that. That's a good shot for scale. You're right. It is. I didn't realize that. Isn't that wild? Yeah. That that might be in that game Abzu. Oh yeah, cool the underwater mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Let's play that again. I highly recommend that. That game right yeah. now is probably like five bucks. Right. Yeah. But it's. Uh, I bet it'll look good on your new mm-hmm. TV. Yes. So stingrays were not on the docket at all for Ocean's Deadliest because, frankly, they are nowhere near the Ocean's Deadliest. Um, they're obviously they can be very intimidating. <laughs> I was intimidated by a little tiny one, um, but they are. Even at the giant size, they're not aggressive animals at sure. all. They're specifically they're, they're known kinda, for not being aggressive. Yeah, they're just kind of wanderers. They're just well, like, they just there yeah. are animals that look big and intimidating, but, but just, aren't dangerous to humans. Yeah, generally, gentle giants, right? Yeah, there there are times where humans have been injured by stingrays, but it's typically when they're provoked. Or something that do- that happens sometimes is like because rays can be like near the bottom of the ocean floor, someone can actually accidentally like step, step on, on it one. or something yeah. like that. Um, so it's only like for protection, self protection that they attack um, humans anyway, right? Otherwise, they're just gonna like 
get out of the way and just to swim away. Like, they are the ones who run mm. away if they're threatened. Um, prior to Steve Irwin on this day in, in September 2006, there had only been one recorded death caused by a stingray in Australian waters. And that was in 1945. Wow. That's how unusual what happened is. It's beyond unusual. It it's, it's basically doesn't happen. It's like, it's, it's like if you had like a, there's going to be a $75 billion lottery mm-hmm. that everybody is going to play right. like 10 tickets, right. everybody on earth. Uh huh. And you're the one that wins. Yeah. Like it's, it, it's those kind of odds. Yeah. Um, and of course, there had been injuries, sure. but usually they're like operable. You can yeah, get fixed you, up. You whatever. can bounce back from it. Yeah, you're not gonna. Uh, and yeah. short tail stingrays, in particular, are considered particularly non-aggressive. They're just docile. They're they're docile. Mm-hmm. They're curious. Apparently, they're very like mm-hmm. almost. Um, re- like interactive. There's even been success in training these stingrays to be hand fed. Yeah. Like that's how non-threatening they typically are to humans. Well, some of the smartest non-humans on the planet are fish. Well, like dolphins and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So like this situation they were going in after after filming all these dangerous animals in the ocean, this was not one of those like situations. A, like a, oh, like it's, this it's like just, this it's is just, a beautiful. It's just stingray. like this is so cool. Yes, like we'll get some good. Like, they were footage. like, we just spotted a gorgeous specimen. Mm-hmm. Let's get some footage of, yeah. of it. So Harm- they fucking completely harmless. Basically, yeah. And now remember, they weren't looking for stingrays for this no. project because. This is not a deadly animal typically. No. So they were like, you know what? This could be this could work for another project. Yeah. So let's just it's just too good of an opportunity to pass up. Let's go. So they found the stingray in shallow waters, like chest deep water. Okay. So they, oh, they okay. so Justin and, and Steve both jumped into the water. Um as always, they discussed their game plan. Like, what are we gonna do? What are, what shots are we trying to get? How do we wanna frame them, etc.? And then they ducked underwater to start shooting. Um, they got some footage of the Ray and Steve and everything. And so they, they resurfaced or stood up, basically. And, and were like, okay, what do we want to do next? And they decided, okay, let's get one more shot. And let's have Steve swim up behind the Ray. Oh, and then that would, per, per usual, in t- what is typical... It would sort of startle the stingray a little bit, and he'd swim away. Mm-hmm. And the, I say he because this was a bull, a, a male stingray, but whatever. Gender is construct, and we shouldn't put it on animals. <laughs> um, and they thought, they were like, well, that'd be a really cool shot to see the stingray swim. Yeah, take off. Like, you, whoosh, you know, that'd be, that'd be really cool. So I'm going to stick to playing Horizon Zero Dawn. I think that's a good idea. I'm glad you don't go hunting crocodiles or stingrays. So, um... So they decided that that's what that was the shot they were going for. So there they ducked back underwater. Justin Scott and he 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 explained in the interview he was like there would always be me, mm-hmm. the animal, then Steve, right? Because then he would get all of them in the shot. Or it has both to of them frame it. It has to be framed a certain yes, way. Exactly. So you have to approach it a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. You're going to move the camera here. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. You're going to move the camera here, and we'll get the shot. Because they're. Like, not for to, nothing, they're, to be that way. they're film professionals, yes. right? So, yes, they were doing a very technical work. Film professionals with subjects that, like, you can't, like, you can't control. bargain with. Right. 
You, ha- you, you have can't to, you strategize have to, with no, the animal, right? No. So, no, your subject is going to do what it does. Yep. You've just got to you've got to have an approach to get the shots that you want. Mm-hmm. So they duck underwater. Which Justin's, I, I don't recommend. Doing. I know. No. Justin's, you know, like facing the stingray, and then behind the stingray is Steve, and he's filming, and then he sees the stingray, and he described it. As, quote, prop up on its front, end quote. So what I I think he's trying to get across as a visual. No, other way. His nose. Oh, the, gotcha. the stingray's nose was kind of down. Mm-hmm. The front end was down. And his back end was up. Um, Like down towards the, the so floor. So showing and like then, kind of an aggressive. Well, so getting his Or defensive tail, stance. Getting his tail up and ready. It, and apparently this all happened really quickly. Of course it did. Yeah. Um, although Justin would later say that it felt like it happened in slow motion, which sure. is very common for traumatic events. Um, so the 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 stingray propped up on his front, and then according to Justin, began quote stabbing wildly end quote. And he said it looked like almost like hundreds of times, just like rapid, really rapidly and really quickly stabbing his tail upwards. Now, here is a picture that really shows this species of stingray's barb. So you can see. It looks like the fucking, it looks like the damn pod thing from Alien in this, Mm. in this photo. Yeah, because of the eyes and everything. Yes. It looks like the thing that attaches to your face. (laughs) <laughs> it does. It does. The face hugger. That's yeah. what they're called. Yeah, you're right. Because it also has the tail, and that's yep. what the face huggers do: is wrap, wrap around your neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but you can see this barb. It's not at the end of the tail. It's actually in the middle and the of side. the tail. Yeah. It's in the middle, mm-hmm. and then the rest of it is embedded in the tail. And the way um, Justin Christ. described it, it's like a very long fingernail, almost. You know, coming out yeah. of the. Now, according to Justin, the barb was about a foot long. Jesus. That thing was about... Because remember, this is eight feet mm-hmm. wide and, and, and six feet long. Um, so the other thing about a stingray's barb, first of all, it's like it's not like a nice little uh, clean knife oh, I'm barb. Sure it's it's serrated. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very jagged. It could have gotten beaten up yeah. in the ocean, you know. Um, it's also venomous. So it's not just that there is this projectile. It... Or, or this um, this blade sort of a thing, it has venom in it. Mm-hmm. It has a poison too. in it. It's poisonous as well, yes. Um, now, of course, nobody can know what made... Nobody can know the of motivations not. of an animal. No. Justin theorized that what happened is that as Steve was swimming towards the ray, right, to get it to scatter, to get it to swim, that the ray saw Steve's shadow first. And that the shadow, the way it was approaching the stingray, looked like it was a tiger shark, mm. which was one of, which is one of the stingray's natural predators. Sure. So he theorized that the stingray was like, "That's a fucking shark." Went into this protective just... stance, and then was just like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh," and noped right out of there. And then, so it stabbed, and then it, off it went. Mm-hmm. Right. So it first felt like it had to protect itself, and then it ran off. Um, the attack, like I said, this all happened really quickly. Um, and Justin at the time did not know that the stingray had actually hurt Steve. Sure. So he got that shot of the stingray going away. What they had planned for, just not the stabbing part, right? And then he pans back to Steve and Steve is standing in the water with blood surrounding him. Mm. 
I didn't realize it happened in this shallow water. I know. This is I didn't know any of the details about this. This is pretty horrible. So basically the Ray's Barb had stabbed stabbed Steve directly in the chest. Mm-hmm. Um Justin said that in his initial panic, he, in the interview I saw of him, he was like, you know, it's so weird what your brain goes to in these times of like trauma. Um, he said his first concern was we are in the Great Barrier Reef surrounded by blood and that's dangerous yep. <laughs> for sharks, right? Attracting sharks. Yep. He was not thinking Steve and, is mortally and, wounded. And other animals. Yes. He is not thinking Steve is mortally wounded. He's like, this is a dangerous situation, mm-hmm. right? Steve, he's, he's thinking we're kind of fucked right uh, yeah, now. Well, or we need to get out of this water, yeah. right? Now, Steve, understandably, was a bit more stunned and concerned about his own health because he could feel what was happening. Um, and so, according to Justin, Steve said, quote, it's punctured me lung, end oh, quote. God. So he was struggling to breathe, and yep. he thought that it had collapsed his lung. And made it, not that it and, stabbed and him also, in the heart, but... Also likely poisoned him. Well, definitely poisoned him. Yeah. Definitely poisoned him, yes. So, the so Justin and God the crew aboard damn. the dinghy, like, immediately hauled him into the dinghy. And they took Fucking, off. Yeah. They took off for Croc 1. Now, remember, they're in an inflatable. Yep. There's really... They knew he he might need CPR, but you cannot do CPR on a no. fucking soft surface. You've right? got to get to dry land fucking fast. Or a boat. The yes. boat was the first thing that they needed right. to get to. So they immediately uh, took off for Croc 1. That did not take long. Like, they, they just took off. Um, and they while they were doing that, they looked at Steve's injury. He had a gash about two inches oh, directly God. above his heart um for anybody just, just do that like yeah, like per, like visualize two inches as yeah a, as a gash yeah in your in chest your heart yep. it was his actual heart that yeah. was stabbed and it was pumping out blood right yeah. because it's his heart yep. it's his heart it's not meant it, to be stabbed yes exactly um so uh steve was this is the really awful part. He was in what is he was presumed to be in actually very horrible pain because of the venom. Sure. That this was not just about the no. the stab wound. That would have be, been that would have been bad yeah, enough. But that he own. had actually been poisoned in the in the process. Jesus so Christ. That poison um, probably is getting into his lungs. Yes. Well, into his whole body, into yep. his bloodstream, everything. God damn. So as they raced him back to Croc One, Steve was struggling to breathe. A crew member, uh, like, held his hand over his wound to try and staunch the bleeding. Uh, and those on board were, like, holding his hand, telling him, like, think just, about your yeah, kids. Hang just, on. Just get through. You just have to hang on. You just yep. have to hang on. And according to Justin, Steve then looked up at him calmly and said his last words, which were, quote, I'm dying. Mm, shit. So the inflatable made it... I know, this is so horrible. And he would know. He would know. The inflatable made it back to Croc 1, and once on board, Justin started CPR immediately. He said that he he was shocked how quickly, like, his first aid course came back to him. He was, like, on it. Yeah. Um, 
And at the time, nobody really understood the extent of his injuries. He said, oh, I, I think my lung has collapsed. They they thought maybe that was it, and they just had to hang, ha- yeah, help just, him hang on yeah. until they could get help. It's okay, help. he's just passed out. We just got to get him awake again. Right, well, and, and Justin did say that at one point he... he is pretty sure he passed out with his eyes open. And so there's, I'm, um, but anyway. Um, now, Steve and his camera crew had made an agreement years ago that if anything bad happened to Steve, they should keep filming. Like that was Steve's. Okay. Thing. Hey, if that was his. That, exactly, wish. exactly. So one of the other cameramen on board actually filmed the CPR. Oh, man. And that whole thing. Um, Fully, the reason this person did that is he fully anticipated that Steve would be okay. Like, sure. he's going to get through this. Right. We're going to get him help. He'll be fine. This is scary, but hey, he's going to be this fine. This would be a great way to launch the season. <laughs> well, or show him what happened if he wants to know, you know, after he's recovered, whatever. Um, they had to, so the crew actually administered CPR to him for an hour. Wow. Aboard that ship, which was the time that it took to get him medevaced, like helicoptered. Sure. Um, so a medical helicopter arrived, took him on board, and literally seconds later, they're like, um, nice. "Like he's gone. Jesus. He's gone. He probably was gone um, a lot earlier." Later, when asked if he ever anticipated something like this happening to Steve, Justin acknowledged everyone knew an accident was always possible. This is dangerous sure. work, right? Um, given to, to, any of, to any of us, <laughs> yeah, yes, but especially to Steve because he was the one literally the interacting. Yeah, yeah. He said, "quote It was probably always going to be something weird with Steve." End quote. It was still a shock to Justin and those who loved him, of course. But as Justin said, "quote We thought he was going to live forever, sure. but it would always be a crazy, silly accident." And as it turns out, that's exactly what it was. End quote. That's fucking. It's not. Horrible? It's heartbreaking. It is really heartbreaking. Um, I, I, no, I can't imagine being there for that. I know. And ju- and just re- I feel and, so bad for this guy, Justin. And that was realizing, so traumatic. Like, that's what happened. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. The, and now we get, and now we've got to deal with it. Yeah. The so. interview with Justin, it was on Studio 10. It's like from 2014 or something. I highly recommend it. He was really, he seemed very open. And also, also like, sure, because he's probably still trying to deal with it to this day. I mean, this was eight years after the fact, yeah. but yeah, it's yeah, probably some sort of catharsis. But yes, exactly. Yeah. Him being willing to sort of, he's like, I get that he's yeah. beloved, and people want to know this information. He's like, he's like, so it was let a, me explain. And he's just, pro- and I'm, and you know that there's like people out there like, oh, you're bl- the internet's around, uh, yeah. And he's just probably just being like, hey, it was a freak fucking accident. Mm-hmm. Everything happens. He's like, you have no... It's- As he said, a crazy, silly accident. Yeah. And it's, that's what it was going to be. Yep. Like, he wasn't even... Like, he was in shallow water. With a with one of the least concerning De- Deadliest animals. animals, like, on Earth. Mm-hmm. For humans. Least aggressive. Yeah. Like, just not a concern in terms of... Of ever... And, and all it was was one, a mistiming one... of a shadow, probably. Yeah. Like, something that banal. And... Could have been a glare from a camera. Like, whatever. Like or just something's... the fact that nature is unpredictable sometimes. Yep. And sometimes deadly animals, because it can it's be... It's still deadly. can be deadly. It's not aggressive, but it's deadly, mm-hmm. yes. Uh-huh. Sometimes yeah. deadly animals can just fucking react and fucking game over. Sometimes when you're in dangerous situations, dangerous things happen. Yeah. Yep. And it's... Uh... Jesus so, Christ. Terry Irwin had last seen Steve on an airstrip 
waving goodbye to her and the kids as they left for Tasmania. And that night she got an urgent message telling her to call the zoo. The zoo manager broke the news to her over the phone. Of course, she not only had to deal with her own grief, but she had two small children who she had to tell their father was dead, which I can't even imagine. No. Um, so that, and that was an eight-year-old, she had, they had an eight-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son at yeah, the time. That's, that's mm. um, and there are, there's footage and interviews of her like years later talking about this and she still breaks down and cries. Sure. Of course, because this is horrifically traumatic and horrible. Um, she said, quote, all of a sudden I was alone. Everything was frightening. Yeah. End quote. Yeah. Of course, as is the case with any celebrity, the morning that followed uh, Steve's death wasn't reserved just for the family. The death of the beloved crocodile hunter was absolutely international news. I remember hearing yes, it. Yes, absolutely. Not that it was surprising so much it as was it was that shocking. weird. Yes, it was that weird Well, that figures, but it's still terrible. Of, of, again, like, that weird feeling of it finally happened. Mm-hmm. And then, like, and then, like, regretting that you ever thought, like, well, it's gonna happen at right. some point because it kind of was. I mean, really, it I mean, could, certainly could have. It wasn't the. It wasn't out it of the realm. Been shocking if I got stung by a stingray. Yeah. It was not that shocking that. Yeah, I mean, it's Steve it's, Irwin did. Yeah. It's it's in the realm, like something dangerous and terrible can could have happened always happen. And yep. the, the fact that it finally did, and it was just the weirdest, the most, well, like, yeah, one of the most what, innocuous animals. Well, you know what would have been weirder? If he had died in, like, a car crash. Yeah, so, yeah, right. Then I'd be like, what? I always like, thought a stingray sur- would stab him to death, you know? Wait a second. He survived picking up the <laughs> right? ten deadliest snakes on Earth. Right? And a car accident did him in. Right. Like, in a way, it was a car accident, fitting. Because a car accident does in a lot of people, unfortunately. Yes, yes exactly. But literally only one other person in Australia had died of yeah. this cause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. I know. Uh, he also had an entire staff at the Australia oh, Zoo. Oh, I mean. Plus his friends, yes. his co-workers. Production companies, uh, yep. I'm sure. Uh-huh. I mean, merchandising. He, he was a brand. He was an empire. Yes. Um, then Australian Prime Minister John Howard said, Jesus quote, Christ. Australia has lost a wonderful and colorful son, end quote. Uh, TV tributes were aired all over the world. A makeshift memorial was created at the zoo by thousands of visitors wanting to pay their respects. The prime minister offered a state funeral to the family, saying, like, he's respected. We'll give him a state funeral. The family decided that they wanted to keep his funeral private. Yeah. Completely understood. Nothing wrong with that at all. And they were also like, you know, Steve was a humble guy. Yeah. He wouldn't have necessarily wanted that. He would want something small and private. So that's what he did. That's what they did. And he was buried at the zoo. So he is buried at the zoo. I think I remember that, yeah. Um, it's in a private location, like yeah. not accessible by the public or anything. But, but I think I remember... Well, you'll probably get into it. The memorial service? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on September 20th, 2006, this is just a couple weeks after his death, there was a public memorial service held at the Australia Zoo's 5,500-seat crocosseum. Where he did a lot of his croc shows. Mm-hmm. It was televised internationally and viewed by an estimated 300 million people. Jesus Christ. I, I mean, know. just think about that. I know. Australian folk singer John Williamson performed his composition, True Blue, Steve's favorite song. It's a very Australian song about being Australian. <laughs> 
Speakers. That it is. <laughs> speakers at the service included Russell Crowe okay. and Prime Minister John Howard, along with eight-year-old Bindi. Who, yeah, that's the speech I think everybody remembers. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, I remember that. Who, like her father, was completely at ease in front of the crowd at age eight in her in khaki, sh- khaki mm-hmm. shirt and pants. And she said, quote, my daddy was my hero, unquote. Uh, later in the speech, she expressed her own alignment with her father's life goals. Quote, I don't want daddy's passion to ever end. I want to help endangered wildlife just like he did. I had the best daddy in the whole world, and I will miss him every day. End quote. She closed. I mean, sp- that best daddy in the whole world—that's a, that's a pretty bold claim. But I mean, it's. Well, I- but with with Steve Irwin, it's like, yeah, probably. Well, hopefully, yeah. everybody who has had a good father feels that of way. Of course, and that's and I that's think exactly that's kind of the sentiment. It's meant to be. It's yeah. meant to be. Yeah. But uh, I mean, man, and she was like really composed. She was, she was tiny, and she was a fr- she was she fully was okay eight? in front of. The, she was eight. Jeez. She was very composed in front of the camera. And 5,500 people. She was watched by 300 million people. Yeah. And she was totally in control. Whether yeah. she was aware of it or not. Yes. Like it didn't, uh-huh. It kind of didn't matter. Well, but she had also been raised she was, like that. She was aware that her father was dead. Yeah. And that he was like an international mm-hmm. icon. Well, it's really sad if you watch the footage. She's up there reading her little, her speech, like fully composed. And they, it's really sad. They pan to Terry Mm-hmm. And she's holding Bob. She's holding her baby, and she's she's crying, of yeah. course, because yeah. of course, of yeah. fucking course. Um, I, I also, almost fucking cried. And I don't even know I the guy. No, well, I I really do appreciate how Terry, because she's a public figure too. Yes, is will ha, is and has been willing to like publicly display her grief. Mm-hmm. And it's just natural. She's not, like, performing no. or anything. No. She's It's just her natural response. But how she's not, like, holding herself back and, like, no. only speaking when she's able to keep it fully together. You know? I think I think that that's really... That, that's it's just very... It's very genuine. It's very yes. much like the Sincere. Irwin's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so Bindi closed the speech by saying, quote, Daddy made this place his whole life. Now it's our turn to help Daddy. Thank you. Nice. Cool. Yeah. So... I, I, they I, mission accomplished. They and, made good yeah. on their promise. So the Australia Zoo has continued to grow and expand in the 15 years since Steve's death. The zoo now has uh, partnered with a wildlife hospital that's right next door, and the hospital celebrated treating its 90,000th injured animal wow. during the 2019-2020 uh, uh, bushfire. Bushfire, oh, sorry, wow. bushfire season. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Terry remains the owner of the zoo, okay. and she, Bindi, and Bob all remain fully involved in the zoo's mission and operations. And here is a couple pictures throughout the years of Terry, Bob, and Bindi. Oh my, he looks exactly like There's, his dad. Yes, he looks a lot like Steve. And she looks like exactly like her mom almost. Like it's a little bit of I a think, mix. I think Bindi looks a lot like both of them. She's got yeah. a very distinctive look. Yeah, but the son, uh, Bob. Bob mm-hmm. looks exactly like his dad at 18. I'm yeah, yeah. 17, probably, 18. Well, he is now, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It has been noted multiple times as Bob has grown up how much like Steve he looks. Oh, and yeah. here's a picture of Bob as a kid next to Steve as a kid. Yeah, the, it's basically almost the, same the exact, except for the gap teeth. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, uh-huh. that's the only yeah, difference. Yeah, Bob has a little bit closer <laughs> teeth, yeah. <laughs> Bob got better teeth. So, Bob. 
has uh, taken his father's place showing animals on The Late Show, now with Jimmy Fallon. So he's oh, really? been appearing okay. on The Late Show with Jimmy Fallon. I can't tell you mm-hmm. the last time. Like, I, I've even watched a YouTube clip yeah. of Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> and so Bob's main thing that he, like, his side of things that he has really started to flourish in is that he's a very talented nature photographer. Nice. So okay. That's that been makes his sense. path sure. in all this. Yeah. Because those people are just as important. Oh, it's amazing. Some of it, wildlife yes. photography yes. is mm-hmm. the, I, some of the most difficult, probably the most difficult photography there is to do in the world. And some of the most beautiful images. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All three Irwins still appear together on TV in Animal Planet's Crikey, It's the Irwins. <laughs> <laughs> which is really cute. always a little bit of schmaltz was mm-hmm. you know which which you know nobody really cared because it kind of made sense well and you know? because it's meant to be family friendly yeah. it's meant to appeal to children um it's meant to appeal to everyone it's me- exactly and, it's and very it, broad appeal and it, and it succeeds it, it does it absolutely which does. i mean mm-hmm. what else can you mm-hmm. put on that label yeah I, I can't even i can't think of anything else that yeah, yeah. If you hate Steve Irwin, there's something very. There's wrong something with wrong with you. you. There's something very. Yeah, wrong that should be on the, the serial killer. Yeah, test. You're, you must. Okay, <laughs> right? Did like, you wet the bed as a animals, child? Harm animals. Have a bad relationship with your mother. Do and you, you hate, hate Steve Irwin? Irwin? <laughs> I mean, even if the answer is no to the other ones, and the right. answer is yes it's, for the Steve Irwin, it's like, I'm gonna keep an eye on it's you. It's like still. If anyone is out there dating, ask your date. Do you hate Steve Irwin? If they say yes, that is a red flag. Yeah, turn it, and run. Say you're going to the bathroom. And <laughs> never come back. And just, just go away. <laughs> so Terry has been very open in media interviews, including very recently. Like I found an article from like late last year, just a few months ago, um, regarding her feelings about losing Steve. She said, quote, you don't ever get over grief. It changes, sure. but you never wake up one morning and go, I'm done with that. End quote. She has, she's, she's like, I have not dated. I will not be dating. She said, quote, it's really, it's just really hard not having Steve. I'm lonely for Steve, if that makes sense. End quote. And she said, quote, Steve was it for me. That's just the way it is. End quote. It's so funny because I feel like I have said this to my friends. Mm -hmm. I, I said this to my friend Kelly. I was like. I have, like, this thing in my mind that if something happened to you, Mm. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm done. I had my person. Mm. And that was my person, and I'm done. That's it. I don't even want to think about it. I know. But I appreciate that. I know. And, of course, there's nothing wrong with somebody finding somebody and and being happy. And and if that happens I am positive I would feel the same way. I'd be like, well, I'm out. I mean, and the thing is, though... If Terry someday finds somebody and is happy, that hey, is good wonderful. For her. Good for her. And that that's fabulous. Yeah. But I also fully and I'm understand guess, I, what she's I'm saying. I'm going to guess uh, Steve Irwin's wish would be, oh, I just want her to be happy. Like, I, I cannot picture him being like, no, please uh, never yeah. move on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, But I just really understand what she's saying. Yeah. And she's found her fulfillment in life in her work and her kids, you yeah. know, which is really sweet. So Bindi, and that's all we would ever want for each other as well. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. just whatever is happy for you. Whatever mm-hmm. works for you. Mm-hmm. 
Bindi grew up not only in the now multi-generational family tradition of animal conservation work, but also at home in front of the camera. So she... Oh, sure. And now, and mm-hmm. and she is literally growing up mm. in the digital age. Oh, yeah. And she's, and she's coming of on age. Instagram, yes. social media. She's only, she's 23 now. She's turning 24 this year. That's how oh, young she is. And she's probably worth like but a fuck ton of money. But has literally almost 24 years experience of yeah. being in the spotlight. Literally you since know? she was a... Infant. Yes. It's conceived. She's been in front of the camera. Conceived. She was probably appearing as a zygote, you know, on been. television. So, um, but yeah, I mean, she for somebody to have nowadays without, I mean, just a couple clicks away, an international brand, mm-hmm. which is... That's nuts. Mm-hmm. At 23, she, 24. Yep. She had appeared in some of her father's shows as early as age two. Sure. She had her first solo TV show, Bindi the Jungle Girl, from 2007 to 2008. So just after her dad died. Oh, man. Okay. And she won a daytime Emmy for it. Okay. As a performer. Sure. Um, she appeared on Dancing with the Stars at age 17. And she continues her father's conservation work. She donates 10% of all her earnings to her family's charitable conservation organization, Wildlife Warriors. Because Wildlife Warrior was her dad's nickname. Okay. Fitting. Yeah. In 2013, she met Chandler Powell, a teenage professional wakeboarder from Florida. Nice. Uh, What's up, up, bro? (laughs) He's like a year and a half older than her or something. They're very similar in age. Um... And like her parents... Get, get the biggest barrels ever, man. <laughs> got so pitted. <laughs> got pitted. Just got so pitted. Straight like, whoopash! Whoopash! <laughs> so like her parents, she and Chandler met at the Australian Zoo. No shit. Get the fuck she out of here. She was guiding a tour, and he was went he on the tour. surfing professional? Yeah, he was in Australia wakeboarding. No shit. Yeah. Or not surfing, wakeboarding. Yep. And he met her at the zoo, Get just the like Terry met Steve. Yep. He's like, yeah, brah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> they dated for the rest of their teenage years, and they got married on March 25th, 2020. Exactly one year later to the date, March 25th, 2021, oh, Bindi gave birth to their first child. Oh, wow. Grace. Okay. So they already have kids. Yep. Grace Warrior Irwin Powell. Yeah. Warrior after her dad. Beginning the fourth generation of Irwins to be raised with wildlife at the Australian yeah, Zoo. Yeah, like like in their living room. Yes. Like there's a cobra out there. There's like a, <laughs> there's a Siberian tiger, uh, an orangutan, and saltwater crocodile. Yeah, and uh, a recently regenerated T-Rex <laughs> is out there too. So just go have fun. Like don't piss off the cobra mm-hmm. because if you do, the T-Rex would go after it. <laughs> That Mother's Day, so Mother's Day of last year. Now, this is something that could be perceived as creepy or very sentimental and sweet. I choose to cut off the cynical part of me for this and perceive this as very sweet. Especially, like, you cannot... I think that knocking somebody for grieving is is just a terrible... So, anyway, Bindi commissioned a painted family portrait, current family portrait, Mm -hmm. that included her father. Oh, okay. So this is what she pictured as her oh, well, current family yeah. portrait. Why not? I know. It's sweet. So that's her husband, Chandler. Mm-hmm. That's her her dad holding her daughter, mm-hmm. Terry and Bob. 
And I mean, Terry's still got the sweet. Oh yeah, the sweet she's bangs. Got the bangs, it's fabulous. She has such a look, <laughs> and she's she's just leaned into it. It's it's fantastic. You can tell Terry grew up in the eighties. <laughs> and Captain, I love that she's just committed to it. Yeah. So uh, Bindi has said, "quote It's hard knowing that she, meaning Grace, she'll never actually get to meet him, meaning Steve." Right. And it's devastating because I'll never get to watch that connection. He would have loved her so much. But I think, in a way, he is still with us. And his heart and soul live on in all of us. Think of the legacy he has. Oh, yes. I mean, he has an absolute legacy. Mm -hmm. You can go onto YouTube and watch him right now. Mm -hmm. You know, which I'm I'm sure millions of people still do. Yeah. Like, if I went to Steve Irwin's youtube channel mm-hmm. i'm sure it's got like 10 million followers oh, or whatever yes. well and the other thing that i think is really cool is that when steve had told terry like we need to have kids because they need to carry this on and she was like well you know they may not want to he and was like oh yes they will carried it on and he was a hundred percent right she's very into but all yeah. of the whole family is including bob and everybody and now her kid even so steve's grandchild is still like being raised oh yeah, with will, all the baby animals and everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, you live at a zoo. Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, they uh-huh. do, for the most part. Now, there is there's like a little downside to the family cuz I don't want to give the impression that everything's beautiful all oh, the time. Not. Now, the Irwins as far as Terry, Bob, and um like like Robert, uh, Steve's son, and Bindi and Chandler and their daughter go, they're apparently very close and everything's great. But um, there is a rift between that core family and Bob, as in Steve's dad. Okay. Um, so Bob Irwin, Steve's father, is a little complicated. Um, so Lynn, remember, um, Steve's mom died in a car crash in 2000. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that just left Bob. He resigned from the Australian Zoo in 2008. Um, he, When he left, he thanked the entire staff except specifically did not thank terry okay apparently he and terry had a very different vision of where the zoo was going and what work would be done um and according to other staff and volunteers yeah that they they disagreed a lot on things last year around father's day so this is just like 10 months ago or something or eight months ago bindi made a public post on facebook about her grandfather saying quote from the time I was a little girl, he has ignored me, preferring to spend time doing anything else rather than be with me. He has never said a single kind word to me personally. Mm. End quote. She put it out there um, because she said, like, she wanted to do that for her own mental health to say, you know, she tried to. Plus, I mean, the one thing I think we can agree on with the upcoming generation, if you're, I mm-hmm. would say, 25 or younger. Everything's very public. You and, put your feelings yeah, out you in public. You which do. Is it's not, very... That's something I would ever do, but if that's what you want to do... It, it's very, very normalized now. And yeah. also, it's probably something cathartic for her. Sure. You know. She also stated that Terry still does write to Bob, sends him gifts, and he just completely ignores it mm-hmm. and does not respond. Bindi also claimed her family has been financially supporting Bob for the past 30 years. Mm. So, unfortunately... So yeah, the upside it's... is he started this whole like yeah. legacy, but apparently is not great at like continuing it. Well, I mean, let's face it, he was in the entertainment business. And in the entertainment business, 
Well, you know what? There's always going to be. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if the money changed a lot. Oh, sure. The fame and the money, of course. Not from Steve and right. his families, but from, from his dad's perspective. Of yeah. course. There's, there's all. Plus, I mean, the guy also lost his wife the... and his kid. Right. It's hard to like say how much of that. Yeah. Maybe he resented things. It's so complicated. Family shit. Yeah, maybe so. he went into his own fucking. Maybe uh, like spiral. spiral. Yeah, exactly. So the video video footage of the Stingray attack was available, like to investigators. Well, here's why. So there was this footage. Oh, I thought you were going to say available. No, 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 no. no. It was Justin got this on film, right? Mm. It was handed over to investigators because they needed it for to determine okay what exactly happened here. They did. They needed to Um, rule out like. So from. Yep. If anything else happened, they mm-hmm. well, they just needed to know what happened surrounding his death to figure out the cause of death. Yeah. And and manner of death and all that. So, when they were done with the footage, apparently, and there's a little bit of murkiness around this, but apparently they gave that like there were no copies kept, and they gave the original to Terry, and Terry has stated that she's destroyed it. Sure. Um, regardless, yeah. like no footage has surfaced. Good. So, um, it appears that it, it's gone. Um, uh, for his part, Justin, who was because, the one because, to... You know what? Because if Justin was a shithead... Oh, sold it or something. You know how much that would be Ugh. worth? Like, no, e- this... like, even in, like, 2006 dollars? Well, you the, know what I mean? The th- another thing that I think sort of speaks to Steve's integrity is that Justin also appears to have a lot of integrity. Of course. So, in other words, Steve surrounded himself with good like, people. Like, they had a bond. Uh-huh. And he was just like, I'm giving it to his wife. Well, no, he gave it to or, investigators. True, investors gave it. Investigators gave it to his wife, but right. chances are he would have given it to Terry anyway. But right. um, Justin was asked, like, like "Do you this. think this should be aired?" Or sh-? he said, no. "No, never." Like those were his words. No, never. He he said it should never see the light of day. Right. You can already visualize in your mind, and that's mm-hmm. close enough, and that's that's good enough for me anyway. Yeah. So Steve's Crocodile Hunter, along with several other of his TV series, have aired a total of over 300 episodes, viewed by over half a billion people in more than 200 countries. In the words I'm honest, of... Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly surprised it's not more. I know, right? Well, that's, those are estimates, right? Sure. And in original runs. Sure. So. In the words of Bindi, quote, Dad always said he didn't care if people remembered him as, they, as long as they remembered his message, end quote. Yes. And that, my friends, was the story of the death of Steve Irwin. That's so sad. It's so sad. It is like it's one. It was one of those moments. Like I vividly remember thinking, "It's like this is a loss for humanity, not for yeah, not for Australia, not for human. It's just it's it's a loss. It, it was a loss. Yeah, he was it's, a. It's it's you know. He was a cool person doing a cool thing in a cool way. And, uh, yeah, it's it's very sad. So I think we should wrap it up. I think we should. Yes. So that was the death of Steve Irwin. Mm-hmm. Crikey. Good man. <laughs> Good man. And, Just... and a great family who's still doing their work. If, you, uh, if you've ever wanted to donate to us on Patreon or something, since we don't have one, send a couple bucks the Australian Zoo's Australia, way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, please do. Yeah, the Irwin family is doing good work. Yes, very much so. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.